0: Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Thursday. It is Thursday, July 15th, 2021. Hope you're doing well on this feast of St. Bonaventure, St. Bonafortuna. And he was born in the stunning town of Bagno Reggio, Civita Banjo Reggio. You have to check out the photo from our Wine and Shrine pilgrimage a few years ago. Kelly Walquist and I were there, and John Hale and I were there again back in June. We actually stopped at, there's a city right next to Banjo Reggio, a bigger town. Bagno Reggio is extremely tiny. It's on top of a mountain. And it looks like it's floating in midair. It's known as the floating city or the dying city because of the landslides that have occurred around this town, this birthplace of this great seraphic doctor, as they call him, a seraphic doctor. But it is so breathtakingly unique. I've never seen anything like it in all of Italy. It's one of my favorite places. You can either go into the town, which we did. You buy a ticket and you walk up this ramp and this mini road because you can't drive there because of the dangers of the landslides and whatnot so they built this bridge and you walk up this mile and a half about mile mile and a half no big deal if you if you walk or exercise but it's just crazy gorgeous And it's the birthplace of this great saint and doctor of the church. And I bring that up because I just want to remind you about the beauty of the saints. And I'll be talking a little bit more about this later on with Steve Ray. He's joining us at 815 to really walk in their footsteps. We have a Saints and Shrines trip coming up next March. It's co-sponsored by Corporate Travel and Ave Maria Radio and, of course, Footprints of God with Steve and Janet Ray. And just walking in their footsteps and, and learning more about them can be so encouraging especially for our troubled times in and outside of the church because there's nothing new under the sun it says in the book of Ecclesiastes and you can learn a lot from the challenges they faced, including this great doctor of the church, Saint Bonaventure, who actually um had some very interesting challenges with other orders of his day in terms of teaching. So We'll talk about the saints with Steve Ray coming up at 8.15. Then at the bottom of the hour, I love testimonies, and I know you do too. There's a saying that you can't have a testimony unless you've been tested. We have been spending some time interviewing a new priest in the Archdiocese of Detroit. And our third testimony comes from another priest who was ordained last month, Father Robert Boyland, and he is going to share his story of how he journeyed into the priesthood. And his was also a late vocation. So I'm sure this will be a great, great testimony. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to speaking with Bishop Jeffrey Monforton. He is a bishop of the Diocese of Steubenville, Ohio. Now, those of us who are here in the AOD, Archdiocese of Detroit, know him well from his great work uh, with the Archdiocese, serving, of course, as a secretary formerly to Cardinal Maida, our previous archbishop, but also working as a wonderful teacher at Sacred Heart Major Seminary, just a, a wonderful man of God. And he's actually doing a lot of a weighing in on the situation with the Eucharist, and so I wanted to get his perspective on where he thinks this is going in November. There's been a a real disservice. What a shocker done by the secular media, making it sound as if the bishops getting together and coming up with a statement regarding Eucharistic coherence it was all about going after Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Well, I think that was their their guilty conscience, okay, and their own effort to justify what they're doing. But the bottom line for this getting together and coming up with the statement was really catechesis. And he's been talking a lot about that. So we're going to be bringing Bishop Jeffrey Monforton. on. He actually did an interview with some local uh, newspapers in his area, along with another regional bishop. And we're going to be talking to Bishop Jeffrey Monforton, formerly of the Archdiocese of Detroit, at 915. And then we're going to be wrapping up with Matt Hadro from The Register regarding the overreach some are taking with employment guidance regarding the homosexual community. So this will be an interesting discussion with Matt Hadro. Just sometimes you know, the leftist reaches way, way, way too far and then it starts waking people up. And if we have time at uh, 28 minutes past the hour, I do want to take a look at the life of St. Bonaventure. Very interesting story and I don't know if you know this, I found this out this morning in doing some research, that Pope Benedict XVI did one of his theses on St. Bonaventure and actually had a three-part series when he was Pope on the teachings of St. Bonaventure, who was a great Franciscan and, of course, a doctor of the church. St. Bonaventure, pray for us. All right, so again with the weather. uh, We don't know when this is going to end, but it's causing an awful lot of problems for people around the country. Severe thunderstorms are expected to bring damaging winds, hail, and heavy rain, which may lead to flash flooding tonight. And this is across the upper Midwest. Isolated damaging winds are also possible out east across New England this evening as well. Monsoon moisture will continue and contribute to the development of isolated strong thunderstorms with heavy rain, which may bring flash flooding through the rest of the day. Well, isn't that just wonderful? My goodness, it's just been crazy. So. We're expecting um, more rain today, and then they're telling us that it might clear up for the weekend, so we'll see what happens. Here's the uh, Michigan forecast. It's kind of odd out there right now. It keeps going from cloudy to sunny back and forth. Right now, 73 degrees, and they're saying it's sunny, but I know various parts have some clouds as well. They're telling us it's going to clear up today, and we're going to have a high of 85. We shall see. Tomorrow, rain, a high of 78, so a little bit cooler On Saturday, they're saying 78, partly sunny, could get a shower. And now they're saying, and this forecast for Sunday has changed about 16 times in the last two days. 82 degrees sounds great right now, and partly sunny on Sunday. So that's our forecast for Michigan. We've got some rain moving up into the northwest part of the state and also the west side of the state. But for right now in southeastern Michigan, looking clear on the map, and they're saying we're going to have mostly sunny skies today and a high of 80. 73 right now on a Thursday morning, the Feast of St. Bonaventure. Oh, I do want to remind you, we have a Christmas in July sale going on with the good news. Marriage Cruise, yes indeed, I never met a sale I didn't like. Those of you who are interested, check it out. We've got it on the pilgrimage page at AveMariaRadio.net. I also have a link to it on my Facebook page. Christmas in July, save $100 don't miss the discount for the Good News Cruise for Catholic couples in January of 2022. Sun and Fun in the Caribbean. So you can go to my Facebook page. The link is right there. Receive $50 off per person, and the code is JulyChristmas. GoodNewsCruise.com. Myself, Deacon Dom, Alan Sally Cresta, Dr. Ray Grendi, Father John Mercado, Father Leo, Archbishop. Let's see, Archbishop Shep Hugh, and let's see, who? oh, Scott and Kimberly Hahn, Deacon Harold Berg-Sivers, amazing, crazy fun, crazy faith-filled activities for our big Good News Cruise, which is coming up in January, God willing, of 2022. And there's a sale, a Christmas in July sale going on right now, $50 off per person. Check it out, goodnewscruise.com or the pilgrimage page at avemariaradio.net. Alrighty then, we gave you the weather, we gave you the rundown of the show, now we need to give you the news, and there's a ton of it. Let's get started. It's a Thursday morning, July 15th, and let's see what's happening in and around our world on this Thursday. Pope Francis returning to the Vatican yesterday after he's spending 11 days in a Rome hospital to recover from colon surgery. As Thaddeus Jones with Vatican News tells us, on his way home, the Holy Father stopped to pray at the Basilica of St. Mary Major visiting the Marian icon of Salos Populi Romani, before which he expressed his gratitude for the success of his surgery, offering a prayer for all the sick, especially those he had met during his stay in the hospital.
1: The director of the Holy See Press Office, Matteo Bruni, confirmed that Pope Francis was discharged from the Augustino Gemelli Hospital shortly after 10.30 Wednesday morning. In responding to questions from journalists, he noted that before returning to the Vatican, the Pope went to the Basilica of St. Mary Major, where, before the icon of the Virgin Mary, Salus Populi Romani, he expressed his gratitude for the success of his surgery and offered a prayer for all the sick, especially those he'd met during his stay in hospital. Shortly before midday, he returned to the Casa Santa Marta in the Vatican. Pope Francis later sent a tweet on Wednesday from his Pontifex profile, saying, I thank all those who have been close to me with prayer and affection during my hospital stay. Let us not forget to pray for the sick and for those who assist them. Wide media coverage focused on the Pope's operation and hospitalization. It began quietly after the noontime angelus of July 4th. In the early afternoon that day, the director of the press office issued a statement that instantly became breaking news on what would usually be a sleepy summer Sunday in Rome mm-hmm. when he said that the Pope had left his Casa Santa Marta residence and headed to the Augustino Gemelli University Hospital for a scheduled surgery.
0: More than 220,000 people leaving the Catholic Church in Germany last year. That's according to official figures released yesterday. The statistics issued by the German Bishops' Conference showing that 221,390 people exited the church. The figure was almost 90% lower, though, than that of 2019 when a record 272,000 plus people departed, but it was higher than the figure in 2018 of just over 200,016. That's according to Catholic News Agency's German language news partner. In a July 14th statement, the president of the German bishops conference said that while the church has made strenuous efforts throughout the coronavirus pandemic, it was nevertheless experiencing a profound shock. Twenty states supporting South Carolina's defense of a new heartbeat bill. They argue in an amicus brief that a federal judge should not have paused the entire measure, just the provision being challenged in court. Planned Parenthood is suing over the pro-life bill, which prohibits most abortions after a fetal heartbeat is detected. Today marks three weeks since Florida's condo collapse. One more victim was found last night, raising the death toll to 97, with eight people still missing. Crews have now removed 22 million pounds of concrete and debris. Police also released new 911 calls from minutes before the 12-story building fell in the middle of the night, some describing an explosion, others begging for help, and one group said they were trapped in the garage. Authorities in Maryland say a newborn baby is okay after being abandoned in a wooded area along a bike path yesterday. Anne Arundel County Police Spokesman Mark Lamonsky says a man walking his dog discovered the infant with the umbilical cord still attached.
2: The infant was transported to an area hospital for treatment. Thankfully the child is still alive. It was suffering from some injuries due to being in contact with the brush, some bushes, uh, scrapes, abrasions, and that sort of thing.
0: Police who don't know don't know who left the baby in the woods and say the investigation is continuing, authorities are also reminding the public that Maryland is one of the states that has a safe haven law that allows a parent to give up custody of their newborn at hospitals, police, or fire stations with no questions asked. Near Tampa, Hillsborough County may become the latest Florida county to impose recertification rules for older high-rise buildings. Commissioner Kimberly Overman says Miami-Dade and Broward are the only two Florida counties with those rules in place.
2: Models and the best solution we can find,
0: <laughs> um, but keeping in mind what Broward and, and Miami-Dade have put into place. Overman is proposing a reinspection requirement for buildings 40 years and older. In response to the Surfside condo collapse that has killed at least 95 people, another commissioner wants the ordinance to include ways to motivate condo associations to maintain enough reserve funding for repairs. Commissioners voting yesterday to order county staff to review various options for recertification ordinances. Three dozen fires burning throughout the West right now, and in California the flames are moving at a record pace. John Hagey with Cal Fire says a dry climate not helping the situation.
2: Punctuates the danger that we're facing and the drought conditions and how they're affecting fire potential. And now seeing fires breaking up is really showing us that we are where we were last year, if not in a little bit of a worse position.
0: Between January 1st and July 11th, Cal Fire recorded close to 4,200 fires. Last year, that number was just over 3,600, and 2020 was the worst fire season in California history. One fire official this week telling reporters fire conditions in early July are more like late August. In Oregon, the bootleg fire continues to threaten a major power transmission line, and on Friday, California regulators had to issue a stage 2 emergency, and that hasn't happened since the year 2006. Wendy Wilde tells us there will be cleanup today after a series of tornado warnings and several confirmed tornadoes with damage being reported to houses, trees, and other buildings in central and eastern Iowa. The storms cut a path from central Iowa into eastern and northeastern Iowa. A home and grain bins are damaged and power lines are down in the town of Shell Rock in Butler County. The Iowa State Patrol reports considerable damage to a house in Lake City in Calhoun County. In Tama County, the fire department reports a transformer went down and started a fire at Dysart. And in Bremer County, an officer confirms a house was destroyed by a tornado or strong wind in Waverly. We expect more reports to come in after people have a chance to survey the damage. Ohio's governor is signing a bill stopping public schools and universities from requiring students to be vaccinated against COVID-19, specifically the measure signed yesterday, prohibiting those institutions from requiring vaccines that have only been authorized under emergency use orders from the FDA. The three COVID vaccines currently available all fall under that distinction. A number of universities have already put COVID vaccine mandates into place. NBC's Kate Snow tells us that drug overdose deaths during the coronavirus pandemic hitting the highest number ever recorded.
1: Preliminary data from the CDC shows from December 2019 to December 2020, overdose deaths rose nearly 30%. That's 93,331 deaths last year.
0: That's up from 72,000 in 2019. Dr. Nora Volko with the National Institute on Drug Abuse says the numbers are chilling and she blames COVID-19 for creating a devastating collision of health crises in America. Most of those deaths involved opioid, synthetic, or otherwise. And there's lingering fallout from the coronavirus when it comes to staffing a lot of places, including restaurants. Executive Chef Benjamin Borer of the salt and barrel Restaurant in New York says it's gotten so bad, his restaurant has to close two days a week due to the lack of in-house help.
3: They're staying home, collecting unemployment, and not coming to work.
0: He says he's been searching for cooks and other kitchen positions for almost two months with no luck. He's hoping with COVID unemployment benefits ending in September, he will be finally able to add more staff. And Matt Madison tells us a new report says Americans have lost a ton of money during the coronavirus due to related scams.
3: The Federal Trade Commission says that number is close to $500 million. Data from the agency revealed close to 330,000 people filed a fraud complaint between January of last year and July 8th of this year. The FTC says the average person who was affected by a scam lost almost $370. However, that number is even higher for somebody over the age of 80. They lost $1,000.
0: Delta asking passengers to pack a lot more patients when they phone in, and I guess there is a bright side to this. The airline says it's so busy dealing with the record spike in calls as summer travel surges on. Some people are reporting having to wait up to several hours. Delta's CEO says the average is about an hour, but promises things will get back to normal by September, returning to just a few minutes. He says they've hired about a thousand reservation agents so far, and more because of the travel interests are being added every week well, Elisa Z tells us auto shows returning to the u s with the first major show kicking off in the windy city
2: Ford Motor Company's Sarah Brewer says it's exciting to be back
1: on the auto show floor
0: I'm excited to have live events with people, and actually, Chicago is home for me so It's kind of a double to get the first live event and to get to do it in Chicago.
2: In addition to showing off new vehicles like the F-150 Lightning and Mustang Mach-E, Ford's video game truck makes its debut. The F-150 Rocket League edition, Brewer says, is the first real-life version of any Rocket League vehicle.
0: It is a Thursday morning. It is the Feast of St. Bonaventure. Let's let the saints come marching into our lives by walking in their footsteps. Steve Ray is up next. We've got an incredible journey we're taking. This itinerary is bellissimo, fantastico, perfetto. It's so great. You get to meet so many saints and experience so many Eucharistic miracles. It's amazing. Steve Ray joins us up next. Hi friends, Teresa Tamio here. Looking back over the past that I've been with this amazing radio station, Ave Maria Radio, I think one of my most special memories most moving moments was early on when we were doing one of our fall membership drives. And as you know, the membership drives are exhausting, they're exhilarating, Uh, they can be a lot of fun, but they can be also very frustrating and tiring, especially when you're right at the verge of making the goal and you're waiting till that very last minute for that call to come in that will put us over the top, that we don't have to come back and do another drive or they won't have to worry about where the extra money is going to come from. Well, this particular fall membership drive, at the very last minute, I received a call from a young man. I'll never forget the name because it's the same name as my husband. His name was Dominic. And he had decided, because he was listening with his family, that he was going to take all the money that he earned over the summer months. He was hoping to get a new bike, something like between four and $500. That's a lot of money for a little boy. I think he was only 10 or 11 years old but he decided that he was going to give his money to the radio station so we could meet our goal, as opposed to buying something for himself. And it was a very emotional moment for all of us, and I thought, wow, that was one of the most moving, endearing moments that I can remember being here at Ave Maria Radio when a child decided to make a sacrifice to keep Catholic Radio on the air. Amen to that.
3: Join us to meet your favorite Ave Maria radio hosts. Go to AveMariaRadio.net to learn about our historic 25-year event. Summer brings us to many events that require meticulous planning, whether it's a graduation party, a vacation, family reunion, or simply staying at home for an afternoon of barbecuing. But how often do we consider helping our families when a death occurs? By pre-planning your arrangements at any of the six Archdiocese of Detroit cemeteries, you will remove that burden from a family's shoulders. By taking care of things today, your family will be helped tomorrow. For more information, please visit our website, cfcsdetroit.org.
4: Now when the saints go marching in, in. now when the saints go marching in, in. yes, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in Sing it again When
0: the saints marching in Satchimo, Louis Armstrong Wow, what a great song Let the saints go marching in Into our lives, thank you very much We have to take them off the shelves We have to learn more about them Including our saint for today St. Bonaventure, who was born. Steve, I just sent you a picture of Bagno Reggio, Civita Bagno Reggio, which is very close to Orvieto and also Assisi, which I know is on uh, your list for our wonderful trips that we do. It's just crazy beautiful to learn about the saints, and I love this itinerary, and I am so excited that you asked me to co-host it with you again. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
2: Oh, well, you're welcome, Teresa, and thanks for joining us in Italy in March of next year. Uh, you're always a great, co-host with us and a lot of fun and you the two of us we really work together and uh I, i'm looking forward to this trip this is about the third or fourth time we've done this trip.
0: yeah i think it's our i think it's the third time i've done it with you yeah absolutely yeah, at, yeah.
2: It's a, and you know normally we'd People go to Rome, and they see Rome, and maybe they add a CC to it uh, for a day. But this trip, we said, you know what, Italy, like you know, of course, you've got uh, all of your website and everything on Mm -hmm. Italy. You're the expert on that, and that's one of the reasons we're glad to have you join us. But what we thought is it would be fun for people and very interesting and spiritual and beautiful to start in the north of italy yes. up in milan mm-hmm. because italy has so much to offer that's not just in rome so we figured we got this great itinerary that starts up in the north and the alps up in milan and we move our way down and stop and we stay about this is different than a lot of trips because we move from one hotel to the next we stay two nights in each hotel mm-hmm. but but the but Paying that cost is worth it, Teresa, because my goodness, we get to see Milan and Pavia and Florence and cooking classes and wine tasting classes and Siena and Assisi and Loreto and Montepello and Lanciano and all these wonderful places. So it's really, ex- and Giovanni Rotundo, of course, yep. Padre Pio. So. And you and I will be giving talks all along the way.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I love about this trip is, for example, going to Pavia, which is a birthplace of St. Augustine. Who does that? Seriously, on yeah. a pilgrimage. Yeah, who gets
2: to go there and pray at his bones? And there's, uh, between him and maybe, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, there's no bigger giants in the history of the church. And, uh, we'll be able to pray at the bones of St. But uh, what's cool is pray at the bones of St. Augustine in Pavia and then of his mm-hmm. mother, uh, Monica in, in Rome.
0: Well, I want to walk folks through uh, the itinerary, and we can find it on your website, which is at CatholicConvert.com. We also have it on the Ave Maria pilgrimage page, and then I also have it on my events section at TeresaTamio.com. We also sent out a newsletter this morning all about it. So this is just, I mean, this itinerary, it's just crazy. Great. I mean, I love it because we, and I know we move around so much, but it's just so meaningful where we go and we really get a taste of all the saints. So we start in Milano, and we're also going to have an opportunity to see not only the Opera House, but the Vittorio Emanuela Gallery, which is gorgeous, right next to the Duomo. We're going to have Mass and we're going to be actually in the Duomo the first night for Mass. Now that Duomo, Steve, has some significance a lot in connection with not only St. Augustine, but St. Ambrose. Tell us about that.
2: Oh, St. Ambrose is one of my favorites. He was the the saint that actually brought Augustine into the church. He was Augustine's mentor. And while we're there in Milan, we will pray also at the bones of St. Ambrose. My next movie that I'm making is called Doctors of the Church. We're going to do that one in 2023, and he's one of the five. Him him and both him and Augustine are two of the ones that we're going to be discussing in our movie. So in a way, I'm going to be previewing these places along the way and getting ideas of where to film and what angles and so on. It's going to be kind of fun. Uh, But Milan is beautiful, and that domo, you go up on the roof of that. Oh, that's so much
0: fun. That's you so can much walk fun.
2: around, there's yep. gargoyles everywhere, and the, the beauty of that place is stunning. You just don't build churches like that anymore. These no. are historic monuments that you, you see a church like this, you'll never be happy with your own parish again.
0: I know, it's just crazy, <laughs> it's so beautiful. But it's so, great. So we have two nights in Milan, and then we're moving on to Firenze, or Florence, and this is fantastic. Before we do that, as you mentioned earlier, we're stopping in Pavia for St. Augustine. That's a beautiful, beautiful church in a beautiful little town, and then we're going over to Florence, and we're going to see, obviously, the David. We're going to see the baptistry doors of the Duomo there. Um, We're going to have mass. We're going to stop in Santa Croce, and then we're also going to have, we're going to, to do the main things that you always do in Florence, obviously, so you see all the big things, but one of the things we did last time, which was so cool, is that pl- are we having the, the cooking class at the same place yes, we did before? Where we oh. Up on the, where oh, we that up place is crazy! That is great. That place was so much. Yep. Not only fun, but it was so beautiful. It's like this little B& B in the middle of the Tuscan Hills. You can see Florence in the distance. I mean, Steve, it was like a movie set. That was crazy. How' did you find that place?
2: Uh, you know, we just worked hard with it and corporate travel is always good with us and we like to use all of our agents over there as you know. You, you learn to trust the locals. Exactly. You don't try to make up the, your own mind. Right. You, you trust the locals. So you say to the people who are working with us, find us the nicest place in the mountains where we can have a cooking class and everybody can, and it's just like a TV show, you know? It was. But, it, but it's live and the chef was so I mean, he and then a-
0: Luca was there for us, Luca Malietta, and he was translating for us as, yep. because the cook couldn't speak any English. But Steve, the amount of food they gave us, it wasn't like a little thing of pasta or a little piece of bruschetta. It was like, they and if you wanted more, they came around with seconds and they explained each course. But what was so beautiful to me... This setting was just so, it was just so coincidental Tuscan. You're, and then you could go out on the deck with a glass of wine and look over in between courses. It was just really, that, that to me was one of the highlights of that trip. To, get, to bring it all together for people because we have the faith, we have the fellowship, and then we have, we're, we're feeding body and soul. So this is what I love about this trip because it brings it all together.
2: Oh, yeah, you can't get better food and wines than in Italy. This is just, uh, and and I had people say to me at that point, I could go home right now. And be yeah, exactly. Happy with this
0: trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. All right, so we're two nights in Milan, two nights in Florence, and then we go to Assisi, which is a phenomenal, and we have two nights in Assisi.
2: But we hit Siena on the way.
0: Oh, well, Siena. Please don't even get me started about Siena. That's so beautiful. St. Catherine
2: so. of Siena. We celebrate Mass at the at the Church of St. Catherine of Siena.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, St. Dominic, uh, Church of St. Dominic in Piazza del Campo. Mm-hmm. Well, and then uh, we have a wine tasting there. If the dinner wasn't enough the night before, we have a <laughs> wine tasting where we go in a where we actually go to a winery and they'd give us a tour of how they make the wine. And Is all that the, the one at the
0: bottom everything. of the hill? That was beautiful. Yeah. That was gorgeous. And then they,
2: they give us the, uh, you know, we taste all the wines and they also bring out all of these appetizers, seafood appetizers and pastries. Oh, it's, a, it's a, crazy. I, I would tell people that you should lose a little weight before you come and do your exercises because You're not going to go home weighing less than when you come with us.
0: Or you could walk from Florence to Assisi. That would probably help.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And catch up Uh, with us at Assisi. Assisi uh, with uh, Claire and Francis. And and the beauty of that, also on a
0: mountainside,
2: that you see coming from miles away, you can see it ahead of you. And uh, we'll spend... We actually get to spend a little more time there than on w- a normal pilgrimage, and we'll get to see all of the things related to St. Francis and Claire there, and a lot of free time as well, because yeah. there's shopping galore in Assisi, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to get people back on the bus. It's like herding cats. Nobody wants to go back, so they keep running away from us when we try to get them back on the bus, because they <laughs> want to stay in Assisi. But, uh, we yeah, because it's
0: so a- beautiful. But here's oh, the other they- thing that we do that's unique. I mean, This is what I love about this itinerary, because it's not your typical. Okay, you go to Rome, you go to Assisi, and you come back. When we go to these places, as you just mentioned, all the the things that we're doing, the the cooking class and the wine tasting in Florence, stopping in Siena on the way, uh, going to Pavia for St. Augustine, when we're in Assisi, here's another thing that a lot of tour groups don't do, pilgrimages don't do. They don't go up to the Hermitage on the top of the mountain, and we're going there.
2: Yes, of course, because that, <clears throat> that's where a lot of uh, things related to his life took place, and where he used to go mm-hmm. up to pray and to walk in the woods. That's where he talked to the birds and the animals. So mm-hmm. we go up and do the same, and uh, we're going to do a lot of things that the group doesn't do. We're going to see the little church that he rebuilt um, when when Jesus said to him, "Rebuild my church." He thought he meant really go get some some more stones and cement and fix this one, but he didn't realize it was the bigger universal church. But we're going to see that little church that he went to. And then, Teresa, from there, we go and stay in Lanciano, mm-hmm. which is the that's our next hotel. Right. And it, it, it's just a small town, but that's where we see the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano, and you get right up close to this, and we have Mass in front of that Eucharistic miracle.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And Lanciano and away
2: is... There, Oh, go we ahead. visit Loretto, mm-hmm. the Holy House of Loretto, and we visit Montepello, which is the face cloth of Christ that was on his face when John and Peter went into the tomb. They said they saw the face cloth, and that's the face cloth. And, and when John saw that, it says, and then they believed. Why did they believe? Because they saw the face of their Savior on that cloth with his eyes open. That was the moment of the resurrection. And we'll get to see that and have Mass in front of the Face Cloth of Christ in Montepello too. See, what's so cool about this trip is we're hitting all of the places you've heard about. You just here, the miracle, Eucharistic Miracle of Lanciano, the Face Cloth of Christ in Montepello, the Holy uh, Church from Nazareth in Loreto, and Assisi,
0: all in one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just crazy. And also, what's nice, when we go to San Giovanni Rotondo, we stop in uh, Gargano, and we go to the... are we going to uh, St. Michael's?
2: Yes, of course, mm-hmm. that's the cave of St. Michael, yep. mm-hmm. where St. Michael uh, revealed himself there, and that's a, a wonderful site. People just love that. It's even a, a World Heritage site, and we'll enjoy uh, have a dinner in San Giovanni Rotundo, and then spend a day uh, seeing the body of...
0: Uh, Andre Pio. Uh,
2: Andre yeah. Pio. And I have just a fun 15, 20-minute talk that I give there, kind of a summary of his life, a, a kind of a fun, um, upbeat, uh, quick Fast-paced talk that I give about uh, Padre Pio. There, I just stand on the wall. That's what I've done every time outside the church. I just stand up on the mm-hmm. wall and
4: talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's
2: a lot of fun. And uh, but that is one of the most visited sites in the Catholic world. Uh, Padre Pio, and we'll learn all about him, and we'll pray right in front of his tomb, where you can yeah. see his incorrupt body.
0: And then we're on our way back to Rome, and we have an overnight dinner in Rome that's a farewell dinner. And then you're also doing a Rome extension, which is an option. So if people can get the best of both worlds, they can see a great deal of Italy, and you're going to several different regions and getting so many different flavors of this incredible country uh, that yep. Steve and I love so much and walking in the footsteps of so many saints, Steve, if you think about it. St. Yep. Augustine, St. Ambrose, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Francis of Assisi,
1: uh, St. Padre
0: Pio, St. Michael. I mean, let just talk about a John great flavor. John Paul II, a great flavor for yep. our great saints that we have. Never and we're going to then... have
2: Liz Love be our guide in Rome. And yep. we've got Luca, who's going to be with us through the whole trip.
0: I both saw both, saw both of them uh, last month when uh, we were there. With our corporate travel team, kind of assessing things. So, this really is one of the best itineraries. I love this. And Deacon Dom is going to be coming along. He'll be helping out at the masses, and, and we'll be sharing our testimony along the way. And then I'll be sharing stories. We do have a lot of time on the bus, but we make it a lot of fun. And we give our testimony. Stephen and Janet give their testimony, their conversion story. Deacon Dom and I will give our reversion story. Dom will give a vocation story about how he was called to the diaconate. And then I'm going to talk about Italy, and I'm going to talk about how I started Tease Italy, and also my. My own family history, and how Deacon Dom and I actually Steve, have traced all of the towns of our heritage, and have visited them. And I'll talk about the experience I had, because we're going to oh, be pretty good. close to um, one town where my mother's mother was from, and how we spent the night there and learned all about uh, my family. That uh, we still have. Um, Relatives there and whatnot, so we'll share that as well. It's just a terrific itinerary really to get a a flavor and I, of it I would
2: say that you, you won't find another itinerary like this right I don't i've I've looked and I don't think there's another itinerary and it's and you won't be the guinea pigs people who join us because we've already done this three times, so right. we are pretty good at it. And I don't think I'll be doing this one again for at least another couple of years. So if you want to get on this one, you got to do it now because we we don't know what the future holds. You know, right. and I are going to be cutting back a little bit on our trips. So if people want to go with us, they got to do it now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let me give out the toll free number for corporate travel: eight six six five five seven twenty three sixty four. Steve Ray, Deacon Domini, Janet Ray, will be uh, leading you through this beautiful tour of Italy, learning all about the saints and shrines. It is just fantastic, starting way up in beautiful Milano, going all the way down to Puglia, to the heel, for San Giovanni Rotondo and St. Padre Pio and St. Michael, and then back up to Roma. And this is all happening in March of next year. It's filling up quickly, so please check it out. You can go to Steve's website, footprintsofgod.com or catholicconvert.com. You can also go to the pilgrimage page at Ave Maria Radio. And again, let me throw out the toll-free number for corporate travel, 866-557-2364. Those of you on my email list, I sent out an email this morning with this trip and some other trips that Deacon Dom and I and Steve Ray are doing together. Steve, thanks so much. Look forward to traveling with you and Janet again. God bless you. Stay safe. and. Uh, let those saints come marching in. We'll be right back.
4: Now when the saints go marching in, now when the saints go marching in, yes, I want to be in that number. Now when the saints go marching in. Sing it again.
0: God is good all the time, all the time God is good. He continues to work in everyone's lives, especially when we open our hearts and the door to Christ, as John Paul II reminded us. I love testimonies, and I know you do too. And we've been featuring, uh, taking the stories from the wonderful website, DetroitCatholic.com, which does great interviews each year on the men who are ordained to the priesthood, and also to the Deaconate as well. And the last couple of weeks we're focusing on the priesthood because those ordinations take place in June. And on the phone with us is priest number three from the Archdiocese of Detroit, and this is Father Robert Voiland, and a late vocation, he's 60 years old, he's from the East Side, we were just joking about that during the break, fellow East Sider, went to Mount Clemens High School, and had quite a distinguished career before having the call to the priesthood. We're going to let him uh, tell that story. Father, first of all, Congratulations.
5: Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. It's, it's, it's been a great, great joy, great pleasure, and, and an honor. I got to tell you, it's really exciting.
0: All right. So here's in. the thing. You're you're from the East Side, but you're going all the way over. Your first assignment is Waterford.
5: Correct. I'm at <laughs> Our, Our, Our Lady of the Lakes. Yeah, it's, it's like a new part of the world for
0: me. Yes. Yes. It's, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful area. So so let's talk a little bit about when you first heard the call to the priesthood. What happened?
5: You know, it, what I felt, I think I felt a call to the diaconate, you know, because so late in life, and, and by the way, I'm 61 now, actually, another Oh, okay. Or, or nation, Same another, another, me. Another birthday yeah. click. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so that, that has me stopped. Um, but I really, because of my age, I really was thinking about uh, the diaconate, and it really was conversations with some priest friends who said, well, why, why not the priesthood? And I just, I thought it was off the table at, at this stage of the game. And I, it really, the, the, Probably the initial call really was when I went, I was in Catholic grade school at St. Mary's School in, in Mount Clemens. And we had the, the, the sisters would tell you, think about the vocation. So, you know, the, the thought was put in my head, but it really didn't come back seriously into my head until after I had retired uh, from General Motors as an electrician. And it was uh, really a realization that I couldn't stop being a, a Catholic Christian. Which seems kind of strange, but that 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 ministry had to continue, that I had to continue in my faith and had to keep, had to stay steady at it in some way. And and the question really came to my mind is, well, how am I going to do this? So, and I think in in the midst of it, in in contemplating that and just kind of talking with others about it, there was a need for me to make a real commitment to it, I think, you know, because I had always been active in the faith. I I grew up, you know, as a Catholic in the church and was active in, in lay ministry. But I think in that realization that I needed to be really active in my faith and do something with the rest of my life that I, I was really thinking about the diaconate, something that would be committed, something that would be permanent in so many ways. So I think that so really it was late where the, where the serious call to the vocation came. Mm. Um, not that it wasn't always there to serve and need to serve, but to serve in this capacity was kind of a surprise to me, to be honest with you.
0: It's a big commitment, uh, you know, that my husband is a deacon, whether it's a diaconate or the priesthood, as opposed to, let's say, you're retired and you're very involved in lay ministry, doing great things, volunteering, active at your parish. So what was well, the, was there one thing that said, okay, I have to do more than just that, um, not to minimize what, what lay people do, but, okay, I'm going to commit my entire life by turning my life over and being a priest? Was there one thing that said, okay, this has part- to be bigger?
5: What I think part of it is is I've been single all my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And I don't know if this is across the board, but I think that I've actually think human beings are made to make a, a permanent commitment in some way. and I, and I know that um there's discussions about you know how how the single life is also a vocation in its own way. But for me, I needed to give myself completely. and and I, I think you know in the vocation of marriage, we do that we do that completely right. to our spouse, but I'd never given myself at you know at that level. And, and I really felt a need to do that. And at this, at the point of my life where I had, like I said, I'd always been active in the church, but really falling in love with the church, really starting to really understand my faith better and really falling in love with the church and falling in love with, with Christ more deeply, you know, really seriously, I felt like I really need to commit to this. So I think a lot of it was a personal need to give myself completely and, uh, if, if that makes sense, that that's that's really kind of what I think the driver was. And um, the Lord said, and I, and I was even in the diaconate, I thought this was because I would. I thought, well, I'm just going to kind of continue doing. But I, I, I really love electrical work and everything. It was good, but I, I will, you know, up the ante. I will, I will give a bit more, you know, as a deacon. But I, I, the Lord said no. You know, He said you, you need to really think about this wow. and. It was, it was a fuller commitment, but uh, it was where I was... Uh, and it is a calling, I think, too. Right. I, I really do believe that it's a calling. So I think from a vocational standpoint, it's what the Lord said. This is what I want from you."
0: Hmm. Beautiful. We're talking with newly ordained priests in the Archdiocese of Detroit, Father Robert Boylan, giving us his testimony, his journey into the priesthood, the call to the priesthood. You're going to be assigned, or you are assigned now, your first parish, first assignment is Our Lady of the Lakes Parish in Waterford. Those, are, those of you listening not from Michigan, that's a beautiful area. North of Detroit, and that area of southeastern Michigan has has many beautiful inland lakes. Although, Father, I will say I always tease people on the west side and up in the northern parts that they don't have a real lake like Saint Clair uh, Lake, Saint Clair. But we won't go there. We'll let them think that. <laughs> <laughs> That's
5: true. We've got some serious water over here.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about um, things that you really love about the faith in terms of are there particular saints, particular teachings, documents? I mean, I mean, what really because I love the saints I'm always talking about the saints and I have so many favorites but what is it that's so precious to you about the Catholic Church that you want people to embrace more deeply do you think?
5: I I think what has really struck me about it I've been a real having been a technical person all my life it's just the rational end of everything Mm. has always been an issue for me in understanding the faith and dealing with the faith and dealing with doubts and trying to have a relationship with God but what has then beautiful and you know when when we i do think about the saints you know, i think about like saint augustine and, and uh, mm. saint Thomas aquinas and these these brilliant minds, Saint bonaventure you know his it's his memorial today. right mm-hmm. um their minds really helped me to understand that faith really makes sense you know we 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 often think that faith is just some well you just have to do this and you have to you have to just grab onto this because you're told to do it but it but rational thought actually leads us to faith, and in, the, in our church, the Catholic church explains that and, and gives that to us so well through the saints. And the and the other part about the saints, which I love about the saints, more and more, more and more that I learn about them, is they weren't all perfect. You know, they gave me a lot of hope. That you know, the, the the saints in their conversions and in, in the lives that they they were real people, for heaven's sake. And they had they had struggles, but they they really all found. The truth in in Jesus Christ hmm. and in the church, ultimately. So, the the church is, is so rich, and I think that's the beauty of it. If if everybody could stop and realize what we have in it, and if we could slow down and and understand that this is that there's something so much further beyond us than just this world that we live in, and that the church is the the, the doorway to that. It's you know Christ has given us to get to that eternity. Man, how can you not be just overwhelmed by that?
0: See, that's the thing that I, I try to encourage people to do, to really say, okay, yes, we have a lot of problems uh, in the church, but but the saints give us so much hope. If you look at even the life of St. Bonaventure and the challenges he faced, right, regarding the whole teaching issue with the Dominicans, there was this battle that was going on at the time. You know, we look at these saints sometimes and we think they had perfect lives and they were so holy, and they, they, they were, obviously, because uh, eventually they were they were confirmed as saints but in the meantime many of them uh, in St. Bonaventure's case he was always holy but other saints you know, were, were some pretty heavy sinners such as St. Augustine before that but I think at the right. end of the day the, what our history of our church gives us shows us that in the world as Jesus said we will have trouble but take heart for I have overcome the world the church has survived so much of what we're seeing right now already in our past mm-hmm. and and not to minimize the issues but I think we feel many times, Father, that, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. But that's not true. We have to look at things in context and say, okay, the church has survived. What does the church tell us to do with this situation? How do we handle it?
5: Well, you know, and that's actually, the, that is the beauty of it. I mean, you really hit on it is we think that we really have become arrogant in our, in our thinking because we always think, well, nobody's ever dealt with this before. Nobody's ever thought this before. I remember when I was 18 years old and and starting to learn about things, how all of a sudden I realized I had everything figured out that my parents didn't have figured out, <laughs> and and I had it all together. Well, that's kind of really how we are. Is we think in the society that we've, we've so figured everything out. We're so proud of ourselves and we're so full of ourselves. But when you read the saints, when you read the, the, the questions, the things that they struggled with, and this forever, and the answer has always been the Lord. So mm-hmm. he's been God. from the from the get go. He's been giving us. It's like if we would just stop and listen for heaven's sakes. So that really is what's so cool about the saints is they're telling us. You know, it's, you know, ever ancient, ever new. It's like my gosh, the the what we can get from them and from their experiences is absolutely priceless. But it's like no, no, we've got a whole new thing here. Nobody else has thought of. Well, no, we have thought of this before.
0: Right, so favorite saints of yours?
5: Well, again, like like Saint Augustine um, is, is, is really a favorite. Uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas. I like the mystical saints, too, like Saint uh, Teresa of Avila, Saint John of the Cross. Um, that level, you know, that type of that that type of that kind of self losing yourself in God. That, that what they're able to bring us into, you know, that, that the mystical aspect of our relationship with God. That's something else that has that I'm really drawn into is the wonder of how we are made, how our how we are as human beings, and how much we are like God, and how much we need those saints and their experiences to help us to get out of this mundaneness, you know, that that we tend to live. You know, we we get caught in our days, um, just doing doing the things we get up and we we don't even think about how how wonderful we are. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the I mean, we are you know wonderfully made we are right. um, made in the image of god and and those saints uh help as well for me um saint francis is another person too just his ability to see to see god in the world in the way yeah. that it's been created in way
0: that it's created um, yeah and say Teresa of yeah. avila i love because even though she was so brilliant and so mystical and one of the greatest you know mystics that ever lived and she is revered by not only catholics but but other christians around the world she was also so real and I love, I have an apron of hers that I picked up when I was in Avla and I was named after her, so I have a special affinity to her. But I have an apron that, yep. that says, um, God is with us among the pots and the pans. In other words, any type of chore that you do, anything you do in your life, you can offer it up to God, and it becomes a, you know, a holy thing. So to live in our lives every day, and sometimes we think, well, we're not doing enough by, let's say, being a mom or being a dad or changing a diaper or doing the dishes or helping somebody out at home. But that is all part of our, of our holiness as physical beings.
5: That's been a, and that has been a really big part of what even in, you know, in my short ministry that I've tried to help, help the folks to realize is that we can sanctify and we're actually called to sanctify. That is, important. I mean, that is, that is really what we're called to do. It's not, there's nothing diminished about that. That's exactly where God wants us. And that whole idea of, of being able to bring God into what we think is mundane can make it really glorious in its way. So I think that's a beautiful thing and I think that's a, a thing where people really underestimate themselves, um, estimate the influence that they have in the communities that they're in and their families and, and the way that they affect people around them. Because when you when you make holy, what you just do every day, you do that.
0: Yeah, you become a great witness. Father, we're out of time. Thank you so much for your testimony and your witness. Congratulations on saying yes to the priesthood. We're going to pray for you at Our Lady Lakes Parish you. in Waterford, Michigan. And please pray for us here at Ave Maria Radio and all of our listeners and thank you for your yes to Jesus and the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. We'll be right back on a Thursday morning edition of Catholic Connection. It's 8.53. Stay tuned.
3: When a kid loses a tooth, it's exciting. But an adult has some serious decisions that needs a caring, faithful, and family-oriented dentist like Dr. Maddie with Advanced Dentistry Center. Here's what Dr. Maddie says to those that are deciding between bridges and implants.
1: While bridges only last 8 to 10 years, and damage adjacent teeth. Implants last up to thirty years and help prevent bone loss. Plus, they look more natural. Extremely natural
3: with Dr. Maddie, who practices the art of dentistry at Advanced Dentistry Center.
1: Conveniently
3: located at 13 Mile and Telegraph. Make the decision to call 248-594-9592 or click advanceddentistrycenter.com. Mention Ave Maria and receive 10% off dental implants. Be comfortable knowing that Advanced Dentistry Center's goal is to provide you with the most up-to-date treatments to help you look and feel your best. That's 248-594-9592. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray here. One of the most poignant calls I ever got on this radio program was a 22-year-old woman who said her mother was sexually assaulted and everybody in mother's life wanted her to abort that child she said my mother gave me life my mother went against the whole world that I be born and to this day I can't tell you how much I love my mother for this the
4: kinds of calls we get here
3: on Ave Maria Radio
4: we have a family fun picnic
3: on August 28th so I'd love to have you come you go to Ave Maria Radio you'll get the information there I would love to see you. You can come by. We can chat. We can talk about stuff. Hope to see you. Join us to meet your favorite Ave Maria radio hosts. Go to AveMariaRadio.net to learn about our historic 25-year event.
0: A beautiful Thursday morning. It's supposed to clear up here in Michigan. The rest of the country will have uh, various uh, rough conditions out west. The heat continues and pray for the folks impacted by wildfires and out east and down south getting major, major storms. Coming up in the next hour of the program, someone else from the Archdiocese of Detroit we know and love, who's now a bishop. Bishop Jeffrey Montfortin joins us to talk about the Eucharist, Diocese of Steubenville. We're going to talk about St. Bonaventure at the bottom of the second hour, and then we'll take a look at how there's a lot of overreach when it comes to employers trying to cater to the left. Matt Hadro from The Register joins us in about an hour. Actually, no, in about 45 minutes. We'll be right back.